Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. What do you think? That's a really good question. But not everyone is interested in the answer. Unless you are my guests this week, they care a lot about what people are thinking these days. The first interview is with David Sheffield, Executive Director of the Greenwood Coalition. It has launched a series of conversations to engage people living in Northumberland. They want to know about addressing some of the most serious issues facing the most vulnerable in the county. Is it affordable housing? The opioid crisis? Addressing poverty? Universal basic income? Racism? The environment? Maybe it's the future of Indigenous people? Everything is up for grabs. David will share his thoughts on these potential topics and explain how the conversations are going to work. More importantly, how people can participate. I'm so pleased to have with me today David Sheffield, the Executive Director of the Greenwood Coalition. Welcome to Consider This. Thanks, Rob. Uh, Good to be here. I always enjoy having a conversation with you. Thank you so much. Greenwood Coalition has restarted its Community 101 Lecture Series once more this past week. Can you tell us what it is about? Sure. Yeah, the um, uh, lecture series uh, wouldn't describe what we're what we're doing this summer, uh, but uh, the um, in the past uh, we we have uh, yeah presented things that uh, brought in speakers and and uh, um, sort of shared ideas and and uh, you know allowed for some discussion within that. But we feel that uh, right now what's needed is a lot of listening. Uh, I think we with the um, pandemic period we we've, we've seen a lot of things we. We've had opportunities to reflect. We've uh, we've had time to um, uh, to think about uh, you know okay what would what would we like to see beyond this and and uh, and that kind of community conversation is something that that I've been having a little bit of uh, in in small batches but uh, looking forward to on a, a wider scale and I think there's a, a lot of potential um, waiting to to be released by that and so so yeah we're calling this a a, a series of learning conversations. What is your sense then of the appetite for the community to re-engage in trying to create social change? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been interesting, and I, I don't think I have simple answers to uh, probably some of your the questions that that you're pondering at the moment. But um, uh, you know, over the the period of the uh, the pandemic, from the earliest lockdown, uh, um, we've seen different things emerge. And uh, you know, one of the first things we saw emerge was kind of a, a lot of goodwill and uh, and folks stepping up. Uh, and 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 throughout that whole period, we've had a lot of folks coming forward and saying, "Hey." 
is there something I can I can do to help out? But I think there was also um, a little bit of burnout in that as well. Uh, you know, if the if the pandemic had lasted, you know, three months, uh, we might have come through feeling like, oh yeah, there's a lot of goodwill and it came forward and we're better for it. But we've we've seen that over the the long haul, uh, it's 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 difficult to maintain that um, that kind of momentum, uh, and uh, and so looking at looking at where we need to to go from here, I think. Um, we need, we need to reactivate that community component, but I think we need to approach it in a different way and less of a charity model, transactional, you know, what can I do for you? Um, and, and much more, um, you know, how am I, how am I going to show up with my passion so that we can do some things together? Uh, I think that's, that's kind of uh, the, the, the zone that, that I'm thinking in and, and, partly why we're we're uh, hosting this kind of conversation to sort of um, hear from people about what what is it that's driving them you know the the question that that, that we've been asking as as um, in leading up to this series is what do you care about enough to take action on and and I think that uh, we've we've learned some some things as I said over this this time period and, and we may be ready to start um, uh, thinking about that in a different way than we were at the beginning of the pandemic. I'd like to talk a little bit more about the, the differentiation you're trying to make here. Um, could you give us a concrete example of the contrast between what you're, you're, you've seen in the past and what you're trying to do now? Yeah, I, I think, um, I mean, for us at, at uh, Green New Coalition, um, some of what we're talking about in, in this moment isn't particularly new to us. Um, we, you know, we started as a, as a um, you know, group of people who got together and cared about their neighbours and, and acted on that. Um, and some of what we've seen over, over the past, you know, decade and a half or so uh, of working in the community is that we have... Um, uh, we, we've seen that kind of community citizen-driven initiative of doing with folks. Um, we've seen that emerge and we've seen the success of that as, as the folks who, who might have been the target of a charitable model, uh, you know, became a participant in that. Um, but at the same time, we have, um, uh, you know, and particularly for us over the last year, worked in a more institutional way uh, because we were in a crisis and, and you know, dealing with, uh, with the uh, response to a crisis. And, and there's a tendency to move away from uh, or away from trusting that the community uh, can do that kind of work well or can 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 be trusted with with that kind of work and so um you asked me for something concrete i haven't given you anything concrete yet um but um but but yeah, I'll, I'll give you a, a, a little example of of something that um that uh, came uh, came about during the pandemic period and uh, and that was some folks out in in um colborne who recognized uh, a need in their community that 
it wasn't really in the crisis category, but they saw that a lot of families were sort of isolated, food insecure, um, you know, disconnected from community. And so, so um, some moms got together and uh, had a little discussion about, hey, we could make some meals and share them with folks in our community and, uh, and, and you know, make a bit of social connection. And so they, they, they came to us and said, you know, you guys have been doing this kind of thing for years. You know, how can, how can we go about doing doing this. And rather than us taking that on as, oh, here's another project for Greenwood to do, um, we saw an opportunity to, to just uh, let them bring their passion forward. What could you do in that community? What are the resources that you have? And then what, what resources, um, you know, could we, could we add to that or could we connect with, with that? And, uh, and, and we've watched a, a really interesting project unfold in a way that I think is is sustainable because it's it's tied to that community and and very local. Uh, I think that the the that local um, aspect is so important uh, because it's not a it's not one size fits all. It's a um, it, it, you know the the folks in that community know what what would work well in that community and how to do that. I also noticed in your comments, you talked about an institutional response, and it made me think back to the winter and the need for a warming center. And the fact that the coalition stepped up, it found the financing, it organized it, it made sure that there were volunteers, it scheduled everybody, and it made sure that that service was there. Uh, would that be a good example of an institutional response as compared to the one that you just gave us, where it was more of a grassroots, there's a need and we're going to meet it? Yeah, yeah. So I think one of, one of the things that I, um, and, and this is probably newer for me, is, is kind of understanding what's what's the role of the institution what's the role of the community and what's the um you know is there an in-between as well and and i think that that at greenwood we find ourselves in between that because we have paid staff and and you know we, through one lens we can look kind of institutional there's an organization with a board of directors etc um but we're connected to the community and uh, and but we're also connected on the institutional side so so the role that we played in that the warming rooms that uh, that came forward was was um, kind of that the connecting of those um, those laneways, uh, the institutional side, which which is important because you know that's where the resources are, and uh, and there are things that you know the community is never going to have the capacity to do. The community doesn't need to reinvent uh, you know how to how to do funding systems. Um, but on the other side, the other side of it, uh, you know, uh, we brought in um, um, St Andrew's Church who were willing to uh, to take on part of this as well and and kind of make that you know a three-way partnership between uh, Northumberland County Social Services Greenwood and and the church and so that um, that using of, of community resources knowing where oh I know where there's some people passionate about this we had to staff that really quickly you know how do you find the right people really quickly well if you're embedded in the community um, you know that's there and then and, um, and then different pieces that needed to be brought into into that were um, uh, you know came from the community side as well. So so I think uh, that's a you know crisis situation that was a, a reasonable uh, coming together of of um, 
those sides. And so, so I think that one of the things that we're going to be talking about in this series um, coming up is is those laneways, and and uh, it's not that it's not that the the community need to you know demonstrate how to do this without the institution or vice versa. It, it's very much um, figuring out who does what best and and acknowledging that and giving space for that, not overreaching one or the other. If there is one thing the pandemic has done, it has created a stark contrast of the plight of the most vulnerable in our community, the elderly, the homeless, mental health services, and others. As someone who has been on the front lines, what inequities did you see emphasized by the pandemic? Yeah, we we uh, certainly we saw uh, the inequities that are there that are there in in our society in our in our systems, um, kind of. Um, uh, I guess amplified a, a bit uh, during that time period, and um, and we uh, one one of the observations that I I started making early on, um, and I'll, I'll still stand by, is that some of the folks who had the most difficulty um, navigating through that pandemic period were more middle-class people, uh, that, uh, that the, the, um, the, the people who were, um, uh, you know, had less resources available um, had been going through difficult times for many years and, uh, you know, had developed a resilience and, uh, and response to that. That. And so in terms of, of their ability to navigate that, they were actually doing better than some folks I know that, uh, you know, were kind of middle class and relied more on alcohol during that period than they ever had before <laughs> to navigate it, you know, and, and uh, there were interesting little observations, but, uh, you know, um, clearly, you know, what what is um, what is needed in the in in our, our community is you know housing for everyone and uh, um, you know access to to food and those those basic um, those basic needs. Um, but when we only look at um, at the folks the folks who have the the least amount of those things, when we only look at them as being needy, um, we we really miss uh, a significant part of of how we're going to make this better. Better. And and that that part is um, is going to come through listening to those folks and their experience and and what they they bring to it because uh, you know those those people who were uh, you know homeless uh, um, hungry working through that pandemic period um, and 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 not being you know, um, not not landing in a in a worse position than they were. They've got something to teach us, and so so often, you know, instead of looking at at folks as as being needed, look at them as these folks have what's needed here. And so, if we can figure out how can we do this with them uh, rather than for them, uh, what would that look like? Uh, and and how how can we enliven that part of the community? So uh, you know it's a, it's 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 different from the the consumer model that we're you know we're typically um, looking at where there's what we have to do is identify a problem and then we have to buy a solution and you know in in social work it's we ha- we have to we have to buy a professional to you know to to deal with this thing. Um, if we look 
look at this in you know more of a sharing economy what 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 does uh, what does this person who has been homeless have to teach us about ending homelessness uh, for example but what in particular though has the pandemic done that you think will inform this conversation that you want to have as from what you've observed and what you've experienced how is that going to influence the conversation going forward or how do you see it influencing the conversation as you go forward i i think um I think the disruption uh, has been helpful. I think uh, um, disruption is good for us. Um, I think we we had gone a long stretch with uh, you know thinking we knew everything and uh, and we knew something like this could never happen and then it happened and uh, and so. I, I a lot of my hope is built on on that disruption that happened, and I'm hoping that uh, you know we don't. I mean, I'm I'm a little bit nervous in in looking at how things are opening up again. That are we just going to go back to what we did before? Or are we going to you know uh, forget that? But but I I think that you know in conversations that I've been having with with folks um, around the community, um, I, I really feel like there's there's an appetite to do things differently. And and for folks that that sort of experienced that that disruption, um, they know that that uh, if if they're isolated and alone um, in, a, in, a, in a community like ours, that that they're they're at more of a disadvantage than if they're connected to others and if they're working together on 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 something different. And so so I think that's there, and uh, and I think that that folks will will step up to to that um but i but i think it has to look different than we've seen before and again that's why we come back to this this six-week learning series that we're uh, that we're starting tomorrow or starting uh, this week um is is that we're um we want to hear from people. We want to hear how they've been disrupted uh, in a good way. Uh, how that uh, how that has led them to think about okay, how can I use my gifts and abilities to build a stronger community here to to do some good things? And you know whether whether that's you know picking up the garbage in their neighborhood or, or uh, um, taking on something that's, that has more widespread long-term effects, that thing that, um, the thing that you're passionate about, that you're willing to act on, you know, can we, can we connect that with a couple of other people who are passionate about that same thing? And let's talk about what you have to bring to that. I just feel like there's so much untapped in in our communities uh, that uh, we need a, a mechanism for for opening that up. You've already alluded to the issue of uh, housing prices, and we've seen housing prices soar locally. I mean, as of June, the average price of a house is close to eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars. What is the conversation we need to have around affordable housing? Yeah, I think um, I think the, you've brought up uh, um, you know one one significant uh, uh, shift that that happened uh, during the I mean it was it was happening already but it it seems like it it uh, again was amplified during the this time period and I think we're gonna we're gonna come out the other end of this and and some people are gonna be surprised that at where you know ownership of property has has gone and and what that looks like um, I. 
You know, we've looked at that uh, over the last while, our last Community 101 series. Uh, we we uh, featured the PUSH film that uh, is about the worldwide housing crisis and what's happening. And what we're seeing in, in Coburg and Port Hope, uh, Northumberland, is is very much on on par with what's happening in the rest of the world. And so there's there's something big that's going on um, that that isn't particularly local. And so, so I think um, for us in our community to ask ourselves, okay, what what can we, given that, what can we do? Uh, I, and uh, and I think um, I think that is is really significant. So we we can we can spend time and, and we you know we we discuss this a bit. Uh, um, we talk about what do we do about that worldwide housing situation, or what do we you know what does the federal government need to do? And and so we can have those conversations. And some people may find that their passion is is you know writing to politicians and and keeping those issues there. But we can also look at our neighborhood, uh, at our neighbors, uh, and, and look at what that displacement is, is um, looking like, and is there something that can be done? So I, I've had conversations over the last few months with a number of, of business people who are, are wondering about, you know, is there something that they can do? I care about my community. That, you know, I want to live here, and I want my children to live here. I want this to, to be a place that, that uh, you know, is welcoming and, and et cetera. Um, what can I do as a business person? And uh, and so that's that's kind of the exciting part of where we're at coming out of uh, this disruption. Uh, that uh, maybe maybe it's a, a shift in values or a you know a, a reorganization of our values that can turn into concrete things like um, creative housing solutions that can happen in a neighborhood. Maybe we can't uh, um, you know end homelessness um, in in Canada. Um, over this discussion, but maybe um, maybe there's a way to create four new housing units that, that weren't there before, and and looking forward to how to do that and how the the, the gifts of the community can make that happen and and make that successful over time. It's interesting you when you bring it down to the local level because many politicians promised at the last municipal election that homelessness was a, an issue that they were going to uh, address during uh, this current. Uh, term of office, and and I believe we're only we're just past the halfway mark. What is your perspective on the progress or the lack of it being made on this issue at this level? Yeah, I, I think um, I mean I, I think about these things a lot, uh, and I don't know if I have have uh, any great answers. Um, but for me, I, I think it comes back to that engagement of the. It's about citizenship. It's about um, participation, and if um, if we're willing to to tolerate uh, um, politicians that get elected and uh, and use our implied consent to to do you know whatever they think is best over the next four years without really being in touch with that community and uh, and understanding that community um, if we're tolerant uh, of that that that's what we're going to get um, but as a community if we know 
what's going to make our community better uh, because we live there. We're the experts in that community. If, if we can, um, if we can build the mechanisms uh, and again, bring, bring those gifts and abilities forward to, um, to influence those folks, um, uh, you know, that's where the change can come. I think, uh, I mean, um, for the most part, you know, political leaders, they're, they're responding to someone, uh, and uh, we we need to do the work to make sure that they're responding to the community that they represent. Moving on, another conversation coming out of the pandemic could be about the opioid crisis in our community. I spoke with the Coburg Police Chief as part of today's show, and he pointed out to the, the rising number of calls uh, related to overdoses, the increase in deaths, and a recent rash of bad drugs circulating in our region. How do you think we should be framing this conversation coming out of the pandemic? Yeah, that's a good question, Rob, because that's a it's a life and death situation that's that's happening right now, and uh, and it's 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 one thing for me to talk about you know um, how the community can get together and you know uh, pick up the garbage in their neighborhood or get together and build a playground in their neighborhood, but but how do we address those those bigger picture things? And and uh, certainly we've seen a bit of default um, during the uh, pandemic period to just enforcement. And, uh, and and in the uh, the sort of the world of you know harm reduction of uh, of uh, substances, um, that's that's only you know one of uh, of four uh, pillars that a uh, you know recovery can be built on, and so that's um, th- there's there's an area for some work there, but I think bringing that back to a very human level, uh, a very neighborhood level is, is really important. So, so for example, I, um, you know, we, we've been working with, um, with some folks who, who struggle with substance dependency, um, but also have an interest in gardening. And so we've been supporting um, them to build some, some gardens in their neighborhood. And, uh, and there's an opportunity for them to meet their neighbors to, uh, you know, have a different kind of interaction. And, um, and so again, uh, uh, I can't stop the, the um, dangerous drug supply at the moment. I mean, we write letters, we talk to politicians, we, uh, you know, we, we, we do all the things. Um, but uh, spending time with folks human to human uh, and understanding where they're coming from, uh, what their strengths and their abilities are, uh, that uh, that may you know help them stand on their feet a little bit more, uh, give them a little bit of hope. Uh, you know, a neighbor can give another neighbor a bit of hope. Uh, you know, a bit of trust, that kind of thing. And and um, and I mean, over the years, we've seen those things turn into such positives that uh, that you can't discount that that part of the puzzle and and i find i don't know for me digging into it you know when there's a problem and uh, or or there's a concern or something you know can be a positive too but when you when you you dig into it and you start working with it and you start sitting with it well creative ideas come you know things come come forward and so 
you know, reconnecting that that isolation that's happened and allowing for those those conversations uh, uh, to happen is really important. Uh, I'm a big believer in in the third space concept that uh, your your home being your first space, uh, um, where typically people agree with you, and uh, so you don't challenge your thoughts too much. The uh, your work. Place or you know the the uh, is is a second place uh, second space in the community where you um, there's often an agenda there's a, something is prescribed in that but third space is those space those community spaces that are um, kind of neutral space that that everyone is welcome at and um, and bring together a, a mix of ideas so that you know. The old-fashioned neighborhood pub, I, 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 you know, is one example that uh, that would welcome anyone or a coffee shop uh, if it's a welcoming place that um, that provides that neutral ground for different ideas to come together. And as that happens, there's a, a synergy that can happen, and and often that's where that's where community solutions come from is is from third spaces. And so so maybe this this uh, you know online you know, six week series that we're working through, maybe, maybe that's a bit of a third space uh, where, where if we listen to each other, some of these things will become clearer. Um, hopefully at the end of this, uh, uh, you and I could talk and, and hopefully I've got some, some fresh ideas and some, you know, some, some, uh, some uh, as, as I listen to, to, you know, our neighbors and us. Speaking of bringing people together and coming up with plans, Northumberland County staff are working on a community safety and well-being plan. What are your impressions of this initiative? Because the police chief suggested it, it could be a coordinated approach needed to address opioids in the community and similar issues. What do you think? Yeah, um, yeah, that, that's that's an initiative of, of policing in Ontario, and and so it's a, a bit shaped that way. Um, there's there's been there's been some consultation uh, on that through the um, you know over the last period. Uh, it wasn't really the ideal conditions, you know, through the pandemic to to create a, a community safety and well-being plan. Although it, you know it has shown up in some pieces. Um, I think what I would say about that is it's very important for that community safety and well-being plan to include the community, to include citizens, to recognize what the community can bring to this, what the, what the, you know, the, the gifts uh, or, or the strength of our community, how can they contribute to um, the community, community safety and well-being? And um, I would, I would say, I'll give you a, a little example. I was talking, my sister-in-law is, um, she was a school teacher and she left that profession and, and teaches uh, some private music lessons. And, uh, and she's been doing some, some, Kind of songwriting retreats and um, and kind of a little community choir has emerged. Some folks that that always thought they'd like to sing, and so she's been doing that. And she was asking us uh, about you know, okay, how can you know how can I do you know something for you know folks that are you know in in difficulty in the community? And I turned it around on on her and I said, you're you're using your gifts and abilities, and you're doing you know mental health prevention work and 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 you need to recognize what you're doing um in in that place and and how important that is and i think that 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 we need to we need to to think about that as well when we say you know getting help with mental health um uh you know that's become a, a big concern at the moment 
And, and part of that is having access to professionals when that's needed, but also the, the prevention work, the, the sustaining work that it, neighbor to neighbor can do, that, that a community can do. And, and we, we have those things. And, and so the, the, this is what, what it, you know, has me excited about doing this kind of work because I, I feel like that potential is there that 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 uh, um, desire to um, uh, to do better is there and uh, and we you know if we can you know do something to be a catalyst for some of that um, coming forward uh, you know that that's the kind of community uh, safety and well-being plan that I like a, a healthy neighborhood a healthy community how has the face of poverty changed during the pandemic? I guess when you're having your conversations and we're coming out of the, the pandemic, what are the impacts of, on those who are living on low income? And, and what do we need to be talking about? Um, I think uh, one of the things we need to be talking about is a, a universal basic income. Uh, I think uh, um, one of the you know one of the disruptions and, and lessons of this this time period was was the um, the inequity uh, that's that's built right into our our systems and uh, and even even during uh, you know the um, the government uh, the federal government was was able to essentially create a universal basic income for part of the population. Almost immediately uh, on the um, the pandemic uh, lockdown starting, and uh, you know things that you know people had said could never be done was done within a matter of weeks. Uh, at the same time, it didn't include folks that were already unemployed or folks that were uh, disabled. And so, uh, uh, you know, a $2,000 CERB check for one person who was, you know, recently displaced in their employment, um, whereas, uh, you know, their neighbor who was displaced for many years was was getting a check for $1,100 or, or $700. Uh, and uh, and so so that kind of um, you know inequity kind of became obvious, and I think some folks became aware of that. And so um, I'm hoping that that's one one thing that comes comes forward out of this that uh, um, a lot of people realizing how how vulnerable they are that that uh, what what seems solid isn't that solid and uh, and so in terms of of the high end in terms of of um you know day-to-day -day life in a community i think that that we all learned some some lessons about um how important others are uh, as we were isolated as we were limited to to whatever skill we had to navigate this thing uh, and uh, uh, that i think a lot of people are thinking about uh, okay what what's my what's my community going to look like going forward you know who who's uh, you know who's on my team and whose team do I need to be on and uh, so I think those are you know some of the the positives um, coming out of uh, coming out of this uh, and and so I'm hoping that that there's a again we need to do some listening but I'm hoping that there is some compassion that has uh, that has developed uh, um, as, as you know, we all went through, through this in whatever way it affected us. Speaking of compassion, this past Canada Day, we saw efforts to empower residents to act following the revelations of unmarked graves of children uh, next to residential schools. And while there is a laundry list of things people can do to make a difference towards the future of Indigenous people in our community, 
One symbol or icon, if you like, is the statue in front of Port Hope Town Hall of Colonel Arthur, Arthur Williams. Some conversations have already started. What would you like to see added to these public discussions as part of your series? Yeah, yeah. So there, there's an interesting uh, situation. Uh, as um, now, I, I'm not a Port Hope resident. Uh, I spend a lot of my time here, but uh, um, for folks that are Port Hope residents, to to um, you know connect as a community and ask themselves, uh, you know, what kind of community do we want to live in? What's going to make the world a better place? And and uh, and so is is continuing to celebrate, uh, um, a, you know, a massacre of of Indigenous people. Um, what we want to celebrate in our community, and and if not, um, you know what what does that look like? And and so I've, I've been watching. There's a there's a small group of, of folks that are that are kind of working on that question, and and um, I, mostly mostly a group of moms in the community uh, who gathered on July 1st uh, at that monument and and just had conversations in the community. They did some letter writing, and uh, and I understand that there was a, um, a meeting held there that afternoon of, of folks that that would like to see a, a different vision for for that and uh, and so there, there seems to be an ongoing conversation and and that's exactly what but I, I support uh, the, the community um, uh, connecting and listening to each other and, and learning what, you know, what could happen here and, you know, and staying curious about these things. I think, I think curiosity is the, uh, I've always felt like the curiosity is what will kill me, but I think in, in general, I, I encourage curiosity um, because, you know, that's where the solutions can come from. And so if we're curious about that, statue uh, or those other symbols and obstacles to to reconciliation um, uh, then then I think we can can find our way through those those things and and uh, it just uh, doesn't have to be um, necessarily an either or uh, and uh, and and this is I mean certainly a time for you know those of us that descend from settlers and have benefited from the uh, the harms done to indigenous people. Um, this is a time for for us to be learning, listening, but also acting. Uh, and so that action that action can be toppling a statue. That action can be meeting with an intention to topple the statue, or or whatever is the uh, the best outcome uh, to celebrate what we want as a community. And for those people who are interested in learning more about that group of young mothers uh, activists that got together in front of the statue i would suggest they go and listen to my july 9th show we did a feature interview with uh, some of the organizers and they talked at great length about what they did and and the results of their actions so i would encourage you to do that next though with you i'd like to talk about racism and hate and prejudice. Uh, Systemic racism continues to be prevalent in our community. And I was contacted just the other day by someone who saw a group of people of color who were mistreated on Coburg Beach. And now, unfortunately, the victims were afraid to speak out. But what is it going to take to have a meaningful dialogue about racism in our community? And is that part of your series? Yeah, so so if um, if that's what folks want to talk about in in the, as part of that series, uh, that's that's the place to to do it. Absolutely, um, I, I think um, you know, sort of coming coming at that, um, we we've gone through this 
period that I hope we're, we may be able to move beyond of really polarized discussions. We, you know, we saw that uh, through the through the pandemic and you know social media that people were relying on became became uh, very much polarized. And I I I'm hoping that we can you know come back to these things you know like the statue, uh, like racism, and um, and instead of just um, calling out. Uh, uh, you know, the other kind of action from our perspective to, you know, sort of uh, calling folks in uh, and, uh, and, and, and asking ourselves as a, as a community, I mean, Coburg is a, a town that's proud of its beach. Um, how, how, how does the community make that a welcoming place to everyone? How do, how do we make the use of the beach an understanding community space? How is that a safe, um, a safe third space for, for folks uh, to, to interact in the community? And I think, I think you know, how we frame those questions is, is, is really important. Uh, I mean, all of us bring, bring prejudices to the table. Um, and I, I think that, that if we can, if we can acknowledge what what we bring to the table, um, we can you know we can find ways to to move forward on those things. And uh, um, you know what what makes me uncomfortable, what makes me fearful, uh, and uh, and start to to address those things. And and again, it's 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 difficult in a, a you know a, a community like Northumberland that uh, you know has such a, a high percentage of of you know. European uh, um, rooted uh, um, citizenry uh, to to you know learn from learn from others uh, from a different background, but I think moving toward that and uh, um, and building a little little more understanding with the intention of how can we make this a, a better place, a safer place for for all of us. Uh, I think that's a that's that's work that's worth doing. What other topics do you think need to be discussed as part of this series? Well, say, <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of um, uh, things. I think I think one of the you know early. Um, Early ways that that early conversations that we need to have is kind of what what's the way that what does recovery look like what does uh, uh, you know restoration of healthy community where we're feeling less anxious less isolated uh, um, you know what what's that going to look like and I think I think a lot of us are trying to figure that out individually right now uh, um, you know we we have another uh, uh, another level of opening up happening here and and what's what's that going to look like um you know now that i can you know the government says i can interact with more people i can go more places um how do i want to do that uh you know I, am i going to do it in the same way that i did before or are we going to do it different now and so so i think that um for me, some of some of those questions, which are very individual, but are also, um, you know, really big as a society, we're we're moving into a you know a, a cycle of several elections coming up, and and you know what's the conversation that that we want to have with with governments uh, uh, about 
you know, the kind of community that we want to live in. How do we, how do we want to live? Um, how do we want to make the world a better place? And I think there's a lot of work to do. And I, I'm hoping that that people will show up to this series, um, uh, kind of kind of ready to do the work. Uh, I, that's kind of a, where I feel we're at. We've got a, a number of areas, and and so it may be it may be on the uh, you know truth and reconciliation uh, with Indigenous folks. It may be on uh, you know um, keeping more people alive that are in the uh, in the opioid crisis. Uh, it, it may be you know other areas. Um, I think that. What I would, what would really encourage me is to see the folks who really care strongly, passionately about those things, activated and and being ahead on things. Uh, there's some, you know, there's so much that, uh, so much that can be done and needs to be done, um, and you know, climate change. Uh, all of these, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm sort of working around your question. You ask me what, what one issue, and uh, um, and I, I really come at this, you know, from the perspective of ecology. That uh, um, you know, you have these, you know small ecosystems that are attached to other ecosystems and if one isn't well the others aren't going to be well and and so i think that's that's where it's so important and and you know i, I sort of get lumped in with you know being a, a poverty activist or uh, you know harm reduction uh, uh, activist or or things like that um but every one of those pieces is connected to another piece. And, uh, and so I think that, you know, if we, if we can't figure out the, um, the way forward on truth and reconciliation um, in regard to the land that, that we're on and that we continue to extract, uh, uh, you know, um, resources from and, and benefit from while, uh, you know, um, the indigenous folks, you know, who who are very connected to that land. If we can't if we can't work that out, um, you know, so many other things uh, seem seem a bit frivolous. Uh, uh, if we can't come to an understanding of the ground that we're standing on and and our relatedness to to all of these things, so so that yeah, so there isn't one thing, I guess, Rob. But what what I'd like to see is the ecosystem looking a little healthier. If people are interested in participating in this series, how can they get involved? So just a um, quick email with their name to info at greenwoodcoalition.com uh, or go on our, our various social media, et cetera, um, and, and you can get connected there. And so we're, we're doing this series on Zoom. Um, I look forward to the day when we'll be, can say we'll be doing this in person, uh, but uh, uh, we'll be doing it on Zoom with extensive use of the, the breakout room option. Uh, so most of the, the conversation will happen in, in very small groups groups uh, on this. And so info at greenwoodcoalition.com will get you connected to a, um, a link to that. Uh, uh, and, and some folks have been asking, so this is a six-part uh, series that we're doing. Some folks have been asking, being summer and all, uh, um, a lot of, uh, you know, life is disrupted in a different way, in a good way, hopefully. Um, and uh, folks have been asking whether, you know, they could attend one or they could attend part of it. And so we're trying to, it's set up as a progressive series and we're hoping as many people as possible can can kind of work through the whole thing. But we're also setting it up uh, as, you know, standalone events that people can, can tune in and, and join uh, the topic of the day or the framing of the day. What's on the horizon for the Greenwood Coalition? 
Well, I, I think um, yeah, um, that's that's the topic of uh, that's the topic of the week or the month uh, uh, for us certainly. Uh, as things start to open up again, um, you know, we're being asked, uh, are you going to have a community dinner again, or are you going to, you know, what what does uh, you know reconnecting uh, the Greenwood community look like? And, uh, um, and we we had a we had a bit of a come and go um, gathering for the the solstice. Uh, we normally have our solstice garden blessing and have a bunch of people there uh, but we did a, a little bit of a thing with stations and a come and go and a takeout meal and um, and that worked well we were able to to do it safely and keep our, our numbers down at any particular time we did it over several hours and uh, so we're, we're looking forward to that I mean we, we just believe in eating together with other people that that's <laughs> that's the easiest way for it to get from A to B and so it's been hard for us the this last while but but moving back towards something like that we've been we've continued doing uh, art programming and 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 that kind of thing uh, sort of with drop-off kits and and so on and so bringing that back into uh, you know just kind of reconnecting uh, at a at a pace that that seems um, safe for us and also comfortable for folks who who have been disconnected and and have to you know we have to relearn how to how to navigate as humans and uh, but I think that the Greenwood community has been a, a great place for me to go through a lot of um, challenging times and I think that we'll we'll find our way um, forward and uh, and and look at you know how we can how we can make the world a better place by working together as a community. David Sheffield, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. Pleasure always uh, Robert thank you. That was my interview with David Sheffield, executive director of the Greenwood Coalition. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in. And I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at Consider this Northumberland at gmail.com, or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider this.ca. That's consider this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.